Hello again and welcome to Loogie episode 12. I'm your host Zach and as usual here we have Jack and Andrew. We're going to start off this week with a recap as usual. The Mets 4-2, 6.6 runs scored per game, 4.6 allowed per game, still third in the standings, four behind the Braves. Boys, I know you guys watched some games this week. Let's start with Jack on his general impressions this week. Oh, um, <laughs> well, I think nothing's changed much. I, the biggest problem, I think, continues to be no clutch hitting. And we had a couple of blown saves but from Diaz, but in both games, it should never have come down to that if we had gotten some key hits. I mean, on Friday, it was the seventh inning. It was still a one-run game. Mm-hmm. We had second and third and one doubt. Lindor and Alonso back-to-back strikeouts. Um, you know, so did nothing there. Monday night we had Monday yesterday, Monday, we had ten hits off the worst pitcher in the National League, Patrick <laughs> Corbin, and scored a couple of runs. We had twelve hits total, but we went one for ten with runners in scoring position and couldn't score. And again, Diaz in a in a you know, it's, terrible. I don't blame him. You know, he can't he's no one's perfect, but he never no, the, the team as a whole should not be in in the position to have to um you know, it should have never came to that. We're playing the Nationals. Even if we went 4-1 and one by winning yesterday, which we didn't, so we went 3-2 and two against the Nats, there was an embarrassing 4-1 and one, no matter how you slice it. So, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's more the same. Andrew, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, say we are hitting. We're just not hitting in the right times. Like, well, we've had mm-hmm. those few games where I was just looking back at the box scores. This week we had four games with double-digit hits. Two of those games we put up 11 and 13 runs, and then two of those games we put up three runs. Yeah. So you you know we have those few games where they're putting it all together. A lot of them where they aren't. You know at least we are getting hits, but it is it's like you said the same story we've had all year of just as soon as runners in scoring position, we just we can't bring them home. You know it was interesting because um, yesterday Keith was noting that I think we had six or seven hits to the opposite field. We're moving runners along, and we have more of those smart at-bats agree. But without the clutch hits, what happens is that mindset's going to go away because everyone's going to get up there thinking, well, geez, i got to hit a three-run homer because we're not getting – if we just try to piece the hits together, we're not scoring. So, it, again, and that's just purely an RISP situation. And the other thing the Nats did yesterday, three horrible running blunders. On base, uh, in the first three innings, guys just made terrible running um, errors on the base paths. So even more reason that we should have just nailed the coffin on this team. Corbin, bad base running, and we, we and then Trevor Williams made, managing to get through five innings with only two runs allowed, which was a miracle. Mm. And we still can't win a game like that. It just speaks volume about what kind of team this really is my opinion it does it does in other news this week we've picked up brad hand off of waivers if i'm i'm not mistaken andrew andrew can you tell us some uh some of what we got here in this guy i know jack is a huge fan he says he's like the next mariano (laughs) rivera i think (laughs) now whoa whoa, whoa. he can he can pitch more he can he can pitch other innings besides the ninth i heard jack was really big on that Thank you. Finally. But Andrew, what do you got for us? <laughs> well, yeah, Brad Hand was a guy that we went after in the offseason 
and I think a lot of Mets fans kind of assumed we had him, and then out of nowhere, he signed with the Nationals. Uh, he was coming off a great year, or a great string of years. He was an elite closer for many years with the Indians, and I mean, he's he's really struggled this year. Uh, he had respectable numbers with the Nats. He had three five nine ERA in forty two innings pitched. Um, but if you look at the Babbitt numbers, the <laughs> batting average balls in play, it's a two thirty nine, which is very low. Which means he was basically getting lucky. Guys were lucky. Yeah. Guys yeah, were hitting it luck. into gloves. <laughs> yeah. Then he went to the Blue Jays. Really struggled. 7-2-7 ERA, but only in eight innings pitched. So, you know, it is a small sample. Uh, his Babbitt there was 333, which is high, but is basically not as high as the other one was low. So it's closer to average. So his um, luck ran out, I guess. So I think, yeah, his luck ran out. <laughs> if you kind of average his expected numbers, I think he is kind of like a four to five ERA, ERA guy now. Um, I mean, he hasn't given up a run with the Mets, but it's only in one and two thirds innings pitch, so not saying much there. Yeah, although he did, he um, he Go came into Castro. He gave up two hits yeah. and allowed two inherited runners to score. Um, yes. I forget what game that was, but anyway. But go ahead, Andrew. No, just I was just comparing to last year, and yeah. you know all his numbers are way worse. All his mm-hmm. like advanced stat cast statistics are down. So the Mets thought perfect timing to pick him up, you know? Yeah, right he's, exactly. He's lowest. Well, yeah. I'm thinking it's a uh, maybe a sticky stuff situation. Ah, because uh, even this year, before the crackdown, two seven three ERA. After the uh, crackdown, five seven nine. So yeah. uh, guilty as charged. What's yeah. on your hand, Brad? What's on your hand? When when I when I when we picked him up, I don't I didn't really know the guy. But um judging from the reaction, I thought we just acquired Randy Johnson for the stretch run and the pennant was guaranteed. <laughs> I mean, everyone's like, Oh my gosh, Brad Hand, you know, give us that other lefty in the bullpen and he's all this and all that. I'm like, well, what are you talking about? He had a seven point something year right before he came over to Toronto. But Louie who one of the things I might do in the off season is compile my favorite list of Louis's favorite um, modern day baseball cliches. But he said in a press conference, Brennan Hand will help us because he can pitch innings other than the ninth. And I'm like, anybody could pitch other than the ninth. It just depends on when you put him in the game. I mean, obviously, you didn't get him to pitch tonight because you have a closer. But I'm not sure what Louie meant when he said he can pitch innings other than the ninth, what that was supposed to imply. Um, nobody followed up with a, with a question on what that meant. But um, I'm glad Brad Hand is to pitch either inning one or two or three, et cetera, or eight, but but not nine. So... Hopefully, uh, he helps us, helps us on the stretch one, I guess is what I'm, all I'm trying to say. Louis, you know, Louis uses those cliches, and if you know he uses them right when there isn't a follow-up question, he's, like, very thankful for that. That's, well, you're that's right. how you he, know. But, you know, that's a strategy. He says it, and then he watches the, or, the, the reporter's eyes glaze over. Like, what did he say? And um, so I think that's why he does that. He... Uh, 
he's just trying to have those reporters eyes glaze over so they just say uh, oh thank you louis and then he can go home <laughs> yeah anyway, exactly he, he seems to be a master at it yes so something new this week as well was vr leading off with the absence of nimo due to the uh Hamstring? Is that why he's leading off this well, week? Well, actually, that's not true. He started leading off before Nemo got hurt. Ah, so what do you think the reasoning is behind that, Jack? Do you think it's helped? Do you think it's hurt? Well, I think Andrew's got some Valar stats for us that'll be part of this answer. Yeah, well, before we had discussed, or at least I had complained about VR leading off earlier in the year because his on-base numbers were awful and there were guys that were getting at-bats at that time that were getting on base way more than him. But now it kind of flipped. And like I said, now with the Nemo injury, he's basically guaranteed to be leading off. Um, but he's put up, and not that it's totally a surprise, but a really solid year all around. Um, I mean, he's hitting 265, 18 home runs. On base, 338, not you know your ideal leadoff guy but he at least has a little bit of speed uh, and then i was just looking at his the team ranks for guys that are the regulars on the team you know he's tied for third in war with he's tied with alonzo he's only behind nimmo and baez which also shout out to nimmo not that we need another reason to love him but he missed almost half the year and he's still leading the team in war by a wow. decent margin. That's that's amazing. That really does speak volumes. Thank you for bringing that to our attention, Andrew. That's yeah, so, that's amazing. Yeah, insane. But, you know, he's VR's top 4 in average, top 4 in on base, top 3 in slugging. So, he's he's getting it done. I would like to maybe see him second or third in the order with the way that he's hitting, but we really don't have someone else who's suited for lead off right now so i think i think he's good there yeah not without nimmo true but but i think what happened was and there's a little throwback involved here honestly because when Villar got hot um you know louis put him in, in the leadoff spot and put nimmo second and that is basically how it every team used to formulate their lineup with a really good on base guy with speed at the top of your order, a Mookie Wilson or a Lenny Dykstra type, if you want to go back to 86. And your second batter typically was a guy who was had good back control, didn't strike out a lot, so you could hit and run, which nobody hit and runs anymore, or with a good eye so that he could walk, but also a pretty good hitter. So he can all, not, not a power guy, but just a guy who can get on, you know, move, move the runners along for which would typically be your best hitter in a lineup your number three hitter. So in 86, it was Mookie Wilson or Lenny Dykstra leading off, Wally Backman or Tim Tuffle batting second because they were being platooned, and then Keith Hernandez third. And then in, in 2000, we had a variety of guys leading off with speed. Timo Perez was a really good outfielder for us that year, and he had a lot of speed. But Edgardo Alfonso, a great contact hitter, not a lot of power, good eye was our second batter and then that would set the table for piazza so my opinion this is a much better way to go because i know you know analytics are saying your best hitter should hit second but trout and alfonso was hitting I mean, i'm sorry alonzo had been hitting second for us and now lindor hitting second for us but 
when Lindor comes up, there's a 50-50 chance somebody's on base. I'd rather Lindor come up, let's say Lindor is having his normal season, by the way. I'd rather have two good on-base guys at the top of the order setting the table, which we used to say setting the table for your three-hitter, and then your four-hitter would be Alonso with all that power. That's something many teams have gotten away from, and, and it could be because they don't have two good on-base guys, one of which has speed anymore, to put at the top of the order. I don't know. But this is really, I mean, but you could see how well we played when those two guys were at the top of the order setting the table, and then you had Lindor Alonso behind them. Um, you know, things happen. Now, granted, you know, Villar was hot, so that made a difference. But I'd like to see more of this. I'd love if Lindor's having a normal season, I'd love to see him hitting third with Pete behind him, and then two good guys with a little bit of speed who can get on base at the top of the order. So I think that's what we should be trying to do in the offseason, mm-hmm. build that type of lineup. But I just want to throw that out. This is a throwback lineup we had there until Nimmo got hurt. Mm-hmm. Now, Polar stepped in and played well, thank God. Um, but two good guys at the top of the order who can get on base, uh, I'd like to see that. Anyway, that's that would all. be That would be great. So last Yeah, week- that's the way to build a team, I think. Last week, Jack, you we talked about something that you were uh, pretty passionate about. Javi Baez, thumbs, Thumbgate, all that good stuff. But Javi Baez had a great week this week. What, do you, what are your thoughts now on the whole situation on Javi Baez in general? Well, first, you mentioned Thumbgate, so I'm going to say this. When, when, when Baez and Lindor got on base yesterday, they both started to raise their left hand grab their wrists, left wrist, with their right hand and pull their left arm down. Now, you guys want to, you guys want to think about what they were, what they were implying there, what that meant? I mean, if I'm, if I'm guessing that they're being not very subtle, I would say that they were going to pretend to, they were pretending that they uh, were being, were, were restraining themselves from putting a thumb down again. I, I would have to agree. That's exactly what it looked like. They were seemed to be making a, a mockery of the fact that they'd been reprimanded for the thumbs down sign. Interesting. But, uh, In a very obvious way that could get them reprimanded Andrew, again. I don't, Andrew, did you see it? Yeah, I did. It's It's interesting to me. It's kind of, I mean, not that we wouldn't already know this, but it's something that's still on their mind. I mean, they're playing well, so something that is motivating them, maybe, you know, to spin it in a positive way. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's an interesting choice, especially, like we even said before, with Lindor, you know, a guy who's going to be on this team for 10 years. Um, you would think at least he would have just stopped. Yeah, I don't know if that's what they were looking to do, but um, I, I didn't. I, it looked too obvious to me. Most people, I'm sure, did notice because, you know, it was showed very briefly. They, they they weren't, they were just cutting, you know, shoving the base runner on first and then cutting away like they normally do. I just happened to catch it. But anyway, but I will say this about Javier Baez, and both you guys touched on this in previous podcasts. Andrew, you mentioned that you had been in contact or you'd seen some threads from some Cub fans who said, hey, won't you see this guy play consistently? You're going to like what you see. And mm-hmm. there's no doubt that's what we saw last week with the four for four the home runs and spectacular defense at second base. I mean, it is amazing with those two guys in the middle, every ball that's hit 
you just kind of sit back and relax and go, well, that's, that's <laughs> an out, you know, it's incredible. Yeah. And so it's, you know, the frust as Andrew mentioned regarding Cub fans, you, you got to deal with the frustrations of him swinging a lot of bad pitches, but then when you get a good hobby, Baez, it's pretty dang impressive. So, and then Zach, you had mentioned also, he's probably a better candidate to deal with the New York pressure than Lindor. And I think that's what we saw this week. Also, he was just like, well, that he quickly put that behind him Mm -hmm. and just played. So kudos to both you guys for basically, um, you know, keying that, seeing how that was going to go so oh yeah no problem you know me and javi go way back i gotta throw you guys a bone once in a while i mean i can't do it (laughs) all you know what i'm saying come on yeah i was kind of right so you gotta you gotta recognize that shout out shout out to the boys all right shout out to sevi's of no wait no no we're we're, we're gonna wait on sevi's of all today this week (laughs) we're gonna talk about (laughs) we're gonna talk about the mets chances of making the playoffs this year we're gonna we're gonna do another little, you know, chances, chances guess here. I'm gonna give you guys the remaining schedule, and you guys tell me. All right. You know, what are the odds? At Miami for three, then we come home for the Yankees for three, the Cardinals for three, the Phillies for three, then we go to Boston for two, Milwaukee for three, back home against Miami for four games, and then we end the season at Atlanta for three games. A huge, Oof. potentially humongous series. What do you guys think? What are our odds? There's a lot of t- a lot of tough teams in there. Andrew, I'll start with think Andrew. That? I think if I had to just say yes or no, will the Mets make the playoffs? I'm going to say no. But, mm. and there's a few factors for me. You know, we are only four games back in, you know, the August 2021 Mets show that a four-game lead is nothing, and <laughs> that can be lost yeah. in, in an instant. But I did look at that schedule, and then I also went and looked at the Braves and the Phillies schedule. Mm-hmm. And in terms of strength of schedule, so basically just the winning percentage of the teams that we are playing combined, the Mets have the 10th hardest schedule remaining. As you mentioned, we got hard series coming against the Brewers, the Yankees, the Red Sox. The Braves have the 26th hardest schedule. <laughs> they play they do play they do have a series against the Giants and the Padres, but they uh-huh. also have they have series against the D-backs, the Nats, the Marlins and the Rockies. Ooh, yeah. And then the Phillies have the 30th hardest schedule, so the <laughs> oh, easiest schedule. Wow. Where they're really only hard series is against the Brewers and then maybe the Braves. And us. But they play the Orioles, the Pirates, the Marlins, the Rockies, Mm. and the Cubs. So all of that into consideration. And then considering, you know, four and two against this week against two bottom tier teams. Yes, exactly. I I don't it doesn't look good. No, I actually now that you guys have pointed all that out, it looks even worse than I thought it would. I mean, we, I mean, our schedule is tough, but those are all teams that are fighting for position also. They're also fighting for their own lives. Yankees, Milwaukee, Boston, uh, all trying to, um, you know, get into the wild card and get the home field. If anybody cares about that, I don't know. But, um, oh, my mm-hmm. gosh, it's, it's just awful. I mean, you know, 
as Andrew said, the way we looked at last in this in this Nats and in, in Miami series, we certainly do like don't look like a team is going to go in and beat St. Louis, and Philly, and Boston, etc. And yeah, it looks quite dismal. And and I've looked at our starting pitchers. You know, granted, okay, you could say the no Degrom, you could say no Syndergaard if you really wanted to. Um, mm-hmm. But our starting pitching the last 30 days plus, which I've looked at, and we'll talk about it next week maybe, has been spectacular. I mean, not spectacular, but it's been kept us in every game pretty much. I think it's kept us in 27 yeah. out of 30 games. It's been spectacular in terms of keeping us in games with a great bullpen behind them and a very deep bullpen. There's no reason why we shouldn't have, you know, be winning more games except everything we've talked about before. So um, the bottom line is, oh my, I'm really looking forward to seeing these games to see how it perform against good teams right in a row. Yankees, Cards, Philly, Boston, and Milwaukee. I mean, that, yeah. That's incredible. That's incredible run. It's going to be a lot of fun to see this. And this could be the death knell for Louie also. I hate to say it. <laughs> but him and Dave Jowls to go find a job somewhere else together. So it'll be all right. Yeah, buddies for life. <laughs> this this stretch that guy gonna... never shuts <laughs> up over there. My gosh, every time they cut to the, he is just writing stuff down. He's he's clapping. He's he's just out of control. That guy. I hear he's a very sweet man though, and that's that's great. I'm sure he'd be actually that could be the guy we need on our podcast as a guest. Write that down, Zach. He can't say no. Dave Joust, watch. You're right. I don't think he'll be able to say no. Dave Jaws, that's why they can't fire him either. He's just too sweet. So, Andrew, you're, you're predicting uh, it'll be hard for us to make the playoffs, I guess. Yeah. I Am I hearing so. a 0% chance? <laughs> I'll give it like a 15% chance. All right. Wow. Double digits. The amount that we'd have to start hitting is amazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. what, what it would take. What it would take for our bats, That what our bats would have to do is just incalculable. Is that a word? Incalc- incalc- it is now. Incalculable. Uncalculable. Uncalculated. <laughs> All right, what's next? I'm sorry. What is next? Oh, next is our Sebi Zavala update. You said you've got some interesting well, statistics for us this week. You know, in case people forget, real quick, Sebi hit three home runs. His first three home runs ever were in one game. And I predicted he would never hit more than three the rest of his career. Now, he's only hit two. I, I give him credit. He's hit two more. But in Sebi's last seven games, he is one for 18 with 10 strikeouts. Uh-oh. So he's on a, he's Joey Gallo-esque right now. Joey, Ga- Joey Gallo is like on the same kind of hot streak. <laughs> but one for 18 with 10 Ks, Sebi's problem now becomes, am I going to be able to stay in the major leagues? Not, am I going to get a chance to get out of this um, slump? So Sebi... Looking bad, but we'll see how the rest so of the So this is kind of what you were maybe. predicting. You were kind of predicting a exit from Sebi. I wasn't predicting anything. I just figured this would be fun to watch. Okay. <laughs> there was the one, I don't know if you guys saw it. I think this was a few weeks ago at this point. Tony LaRusso screaming at Sebi Zavala. Yeah. Because he called that 3-0 fastball that got demolished yeah. for a home run. I did. Yeah. yeah. So Andrew, good point. Cause oh, the, the points against Sebi being back with the big club next year are starting to pile up. Uh-oh. So he better hurry up and hit a home run. 
or this podcast will never let him forget it. Yeah, and the White Sox, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know how much playing time he's going to get the rest of the season, but it, uh, we'll keep an eye on it. All right, Andrew. Today is September seventh, two thousand and twenty-one. What else happened today in history? All right, September seventh, nineteen oh eight. We got a Walter <gasps> Walter Johnson stat Senators pitcher mm. on September seventh. He threw. His third consecutive shutout in the span of four days. Oh. <laughs> so on September 4th, he went nine innings, six hits, no runs, one walk, four strikeouts. The next day, the next day he pitched again, nine innings, four hits, no runs, no walks, three strikeouts. Oh. Then he had one day off. He pitched on the 7th, nine innings, two hits, no runs, no walks, five strikeouts. And then I went and looked at just his days of rest in the 1908 season. Mm-hmm. Two times he pitched both games of the doubleheader. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. three, t- three times he pitched on no rest, so back-to-back days, and seven times he pitched on one day of rest. And, and yeah, that's... Um, well, I guess he was already warm. You know, when game one ended back then, game two pretty much started about two minutes later. What was his name? Walter Johnson. The greatest right-handed pitcher in the history of baseball since Cy Young was left-handed. In case you didn't know that. Well, I'm checking what age, I'm checking what age he died at. He died at 59, so he was in the first class of Hall of Famers in 1936 with Ty Cobb and Babe Ruth. They didn't need their arms to last that long. Won 417 games, but that year, <laughs> in, I'm looking at a sound. 1908, he was um, 14 and 14 with a 1.65 ERA. That was just his second season in the majors. Now, the fact that he's pitching so often is weird because they finished seventh that year. So my only guess is the manager was trying to save his save his job by pitching Walter Johnson every day. <laughs> I mean, of course, Walter Johnson was only 20 years old, so maybe he could he could pitch every day. But but I have I have seen films of the guy, and I'll just say that he had a a sidearm delivery, like a whipping sidearm delivery, which I imagine maybe had less um, wear and tear on his arm. So wow, but that's incredible to pitch like that. Jack, can you guess one of his two nicknames? Do you know any of his nicknames? Well, I know he's oh, a I big know. train. Oh, I'm sorry, Andrew. Big train. Can you give us the other one, Andrew? I was just I was actually just looking at it because I was looking at these stats. Oh, it was Barney. Oh yeah, it was Barney. Yeah. Yeah. Because he threw like a dinosaur. They said he was one of the nicest guys in baseball, and he his biggest fear was hitting people. Because he threw 100 miles an hour, so that uh, is so sweet. He was a very sweet man. What a gentle big train from Idaho, I think. Yeah. Well, you live in the wilderness, so you need to make friends with your neighbors because they might save your ass one day. That's true. All right, go ahead. Let's move. The, let's move on to the MLB fact of the week, Andrew. What do you got? Well, I just have a little update on last week's Wander Franco stat. Ooh. Uh, so he has continued his on-base streak. He's now hit 36 consecutive games. Mm. He tied Mickey Mantle's under-21 record. Mm. So the only guy with a longer on-base streak under 21 years old is Frank Robinson at 43. The great Frank Robinson. 
Um, and I was just looking at some more Franco stats. Since the start of the streak, he's batting 336, 13 doubles, three triples, four home runs. But the most impressive thing to me about Franco is during the streak, he's striking out 8.9% of the time, which strikeouts are always the number one thing that prospects struggle with when they come yep. up. A lot of guys will come up and they just strike out 25, 30% of the time. They get sent back down, they kind of relearn and come back, and then the guys who are good stay up. But he's really only been in the majors a couple months. Even throughout the whole year, he's striking out 13.4% of the time, which would be top 10 in the entire MLB. So he has been insanely impressive. I love watching him play. He hit a triple off of Chris Sale to keep the streak going. And yeah, he, he's going to be a superstar. That strikeout rate isn't... Is he right-handed or left-handed batter? Uh, switch. Whoa, jeez Louise. <laughs> well, you know, wow. Wow, that's that's amazing. You know what I love about this guy more Jackson than anything love. else? Jackson love. You know what I love about him more than anything else? What's He's, that? He, he is in the Yankees division. That's what I love about <laughs> him. And he doesn't play for the Yankees. So that's why I love him. Uh, that's awesome. Also, he, I think he was almost a Yankee. They had a deal with him as an international free agent. And then it was right around when the collective bargaining rules started changing. And they ended up, I think, not having enough money to sign him under the new rules. Well, so then the Rays got him, which is that's, awesome. It's a great rule. I don't know what it is, but it's a great rule. Excellent. I'm I, Now I'm going to go out of my way. Um, next year, I'm going to get the whole MLB package instead of just the Mets so I can watch Wander Franco. No lie. Perfect. That's beautiful. Indeed. I'll, I'll get beautiful. you. A, I'll get you a Wander Franco jersey for for Christmas, maybe. Oh, uh, what about that Archie Vaughn jersey? No, go ahead. Oh no, that's for me. <laughs> oh, that's right. Uh, we're moving right along to the quiz yes. this week. Again, we're we're switching it up. We're going with a uh, an idea Andrew sprung on me today. I think you skipped the category. Oh wow! What's bothering you, Jack? Was it the fact that I skipped your category and I'm all over the well, place? Well, yeah, you've week? been on. You're on my pissed off list again. You know, yeah, every time you get off it, you get right back on it. That's understandable. Okay. I'll tell you what's pissing me off. And actually, there's a few things pissing me off, but I'll save a couple of them for next week. I am pissed off at people stealing from Lugie. Every time we come up with some brilliant uh, supposition, or lack of a better word, somebody else could be a better word than that. But, um, okay, I'm watching the game on Sunday. And Keith Hernandez says, I'm tired of this one base at a time stuff. We were just talking about that on Lugie like a week or two ago, how we have to run more and hit and run and steal some bases. And maybe Louis might have heard us too because Michael Comforto had his first stolen base attempt of the year mm. this past Sunday. So that was pathetic. And I will say this, also on Friday, Keith and Ron... We're both talking about maybe the hitters have too much information. Now, do you recall we were saying Quattlebum is maybe bringing too much information to the table? You could hear, you know, Gary does it too. Gary Cohen will make these subtle references about what's going on with the team. He'll never specifically call anybody out. But Keith and Ron were obviously saying Quattlebum must be giving these guys way too many analytics and statistics since they're old school guys like I am. 
And they said that maybe they're getting too much information. But the bottom line is, boys, once again, Lukey's ahead of the curve regarding the Mets' inability to get get people running on the base paths, and maybe our hitters are getting overloaded from Quaddle Bum with a bunch of information. So that's what pissing me off. Nobody's giving us any credit. Yeah, I agree. I think we've been on fire. Let's move on to the quiz this week. We're going to try something a little bit different, like I was saying. Andrew had a great suggestion. Mm. We're going to try classic baseball nicknames. I'm going to give you guys three classic nicknames, and you guys are going to tell me who that nickname belongs to. All right. Winner, as usual, Gets to, you know, rub it in the other guy's face. We're going to get a free car wash down the street here. Bob's car. Yeah, wash. there go you ahead. go. All right, so we're going to start off with the human rain delay. Oh, I know that one. The I'm human sure. rain delay. You could probably get it on YouTube, too. What, somebody saying the human rain delay? No, the guy doing his thing. I guess oh, I yeah. should text you. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm texting yeah, you. you. <laughs> okay, my good. phone. Where's my phone? Hold on. I mean, you second. you could just say it. Yeah, I just say it. it. Andrew said he's he's got no clue. Okay. Mike Hargrove. Mike Hargrove is correct. Can you tell us first, anything about Mike Hargrove? Well, he's the first baseman for the Cleveland Indians back in the 80s. And who knows? He may have – these days he wouldn't be the human rain, rain delay anymore because they all do it. He would step out of the box, and he had this obscene routine of loosening and retightening both his batting gloves. I think he wore two batting gloves. He would touch his crotch, his helmet. His he just he would just step out of the box and go right down his, um, you know, touch every part of his body, and it would it's, it was dang annoying, especially back in the eighties. But uh, that's how he got the nickname Human Rain Delay. I think he also played for the uh, Rangers as well. Yeah, he started. He started with the Rangers. Yep. This is something kind of funny. That's so I don't it. know if you remember, Jack. You were talking about yeah how long between pitches Alonzo took that one time. Yes. And I think you said something like twenty seconds in between each pitch, or somewhere around there. I just looked at the video of the human rain delay, and it was about thirteen seconds in between. Pitches. <laughs> You're kidding me? You see, that's what I'm talking about, man. <laughs> This that is, is the number one issue in games taking so long. Is that not not commercial time has increased, but it's that it's that time between pitches is obscene. I timed I when I during COVID I was supposed to be working and instead I was watching the 1969 World Series on on YouTube. So you had mm-hmm. Tom Seaver and Jim Palmer on the mountain. You know, this is the World Series, thirteen seconds. Between pitches, that's all it was. Now it's at least 25, pretty much every time. 20 to 25 minimum, 20. So now we know who to blame, Mike Hargrove. No, no, because there's 13 <laughs> seconds. We can't blame him. Well, I mean, you know, he progressed it. He's He made it cool to adjust your batting gloves. You know he won think, Rookie no. of the Year. I think that's I, why he started adjusting oh, his batting right? gloves. He, he, he thought he was the shit after he won Rookie of the Year. So he was like, I can take all the time I want. When I went on to be a one-time All-Star, though. I know who to blame. Who I always blame. ESPN. <gasps> Once these guys were on TV nationally, 
every night it was like, oh, let's let's milk my camera time, and let's ah, just you think that's what take it's all about. day up there. Anyway, what's the next question? What's the next? What's the next uh, nickname? Next name. Today's viewers should know this one. Kung Fu Panda. Our, our young listeners out there might might get this one. You know, I I've heard that name, but I I don't know who it is. I should yes, know. Jack, you were alive for this one. Is he still playing today? Yes, he is. Oh man! Right, Andrew. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Jack's gonna be annoyed when he hears it because he's. <laughs> I know. I know. I know it. He's seen it this year too, probably multiple times. Uh, are you conceding? Is it a shortstop? No. I don't know. I concede. The answer is Pablo Sandoval. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He just got released a little while ago. A few. Didn't they finally release him, the Braves? I think I they think did. they did. But, yeah, so this was the this year they started doing that whole panda head thing where any time oh, a, a Braves player thing. would hit the oh, home run, gosh. he'd put Idiot. the panda head on and give him a hug. <laughs> am I? I mean, am I wrong? Or is concentrating on all that stuff? Does that mean you're not concentrating on on the game and and preparing for the game, or is this just something you do in addition, practicing all these fancy handshakes? We'll talk about that in the off season. Well, back in the day, they used to eat cheeseburgers and smoke cigarettes. So now they got to do something else since they can't do that. But you they know? were focusing on the game while they were smoking <laughs> cigarettes. They were thinking about their next at bat while they smoked a cigarette, contemplating. Yeah, that's got to be it. That has right. got to be what they were doing. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Now look, you right, got two modern. One. You just asked me two modern us. us two Mike modern Hargrove day players. is not a modern day player. Well, to me, he was seventy-four <laughs> to eighty-five. That's like your hot spot, man, and you got it right. What are you talking about? Little, it's a little past my. Stop spot. complaining. Seventy-four. You were fourteen years old. What do you only All remember right, when you were two to spot. eight? Come on. Depends on when that nickname. We're moving on to one right, Jeff yeah, will love and Andrew right. will know. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> the Secretary of Defense, an awesome nickname to have. Who was the Secretary of Defense? Andrew might know Defense? that one. You're right. He might. He might. This guy. Also, is... Andrew, you might know him as the Minister of Defense. That was another common calling uh, card of his. I'll say this: this guy is in the Hall of Fame. For his defense, more than any other player in the Hall of Fame, his reason for being in the Hall of Fame is for his defense and not his offense. Jack's going to be pissed. Andrew, do you know what it is? Uh, Did I get it wrong? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. He doesn't know. Jack got it wrong. Oh, man. Jack put Ozzie Smith, known as the Wizard. That's who I was thinking when you said that. I was thinking Ozzie, but I knew it was the Wizard is actually Gary Maddox. Oh, one of my favorite players, Gary Magnificent Maddox. center field defense, inspired and odd, overwhelming tributes. Harry Kalaz, two-thirds of the Callous. earth is covered by water. The other third is covered by Gary Maddox. That was a famous call. Talking about Gary Maddox. Harry Callis was the Phillies play-by-play guy, and Gary Maddox played the shallowest center field since I've been around. And so, yeah, he covered he you know he he covered tons of ground. He'd go back on balls like it was nothing, and then of course a lot of balls which would have been bloopers with any other center fielder was um, caught by Gary Maddox of the Phillies. Actually, he was a rookie with the Giants, traded to the Phillies. 
and he was part of their championship team of 1980, or at least they won the pennant. That's correct. 1980 World Series champ, eight-time yeah. Gold Glove winner oh, Gary Maddox, yeah, and he had speed, and he hit 330 in 1976. I know that because I had a Stratomatic card in 1976, so I remember what he batted. Do you guys want a tiebreaker? Or do I win this week's quiz? Of course, we win a tiebreaker. All right, let's move right along. You guys ready? Yes. I don't know if you're going to get this one. Probably not. Toy Cannon. I got that one. That's a very hard one for Andrew, I think. Well, I don't know anything about these people either. <laughs> I'm no, just, I know. I'm you just throwing a name out. I know you don't. You're just a host. I know. I don't know anything. I have no clue. Uh, Jimmy Wynn is a Toy Cannon because he was like five foot nine, 210 pounds of muscle. Center fielder, first the Astros, and then the Dodgers. He was 5'10", 160. Let's not go crazy here. Well, he looked like he was 210. He was had a lot of muscle. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a good quiz. Well, uh, congratulations. Like congratulations. Way to just... As long as I won, it's a good quiz. I guess we'll move on to Jack's all-time team this week. Who do you got for us uh, in the infield? I got a third baseman today. I hate to pick him. Because he's a was a Yankee, but he's also more famous for being a Red Sox. Wade Boggs is going to be my third baseman. Eleven years with Boston, he was on that '86 team that we beat in the World Series, and then five more with the Yankees. Twelve-time All-Star, five-time AL batting champ, six times led the leagues in on-base percentage. And one thing we talked about earlier was guy batting second. He was the quintessential number two batter. Um in baseball at the time, although because the Red Sox had nobody with speed, he'd often bat leadoff for them, but he was is the quintessential number two hitter. He had only one season over 11 home runs, but an incredible batting eye. Um, 90, in an 162 game average, his 95 walks and only 49 strikeouts. Mm. And, and from 83 to 89, he averaged, his batting average was that's a seven-season stretch. He had added 352 with an OPB on-base percentage, OPB of 446. So phenomenal batter. And the reason I loved him, because every time he came to the plate, it was a hitting clinic. He knew the plate better than the umpire. He had a fantastic eye, obviously, as we discussed. But if the ball was over the plate, he was going to put it in play. I mean... And it didn't matter where you pitched him. He was going to slap the ball to left, up the middle, over to right. I mean, he was almost exclusively a singles hitter, uh, singles and doubles. But just it was a hitting clinic every time the guy came to the plate. Um, so just a fantastic guy to watch as a science of hitting. He was, he was the teacher um, back then. So... I'm looking at his stats and you're saying like most years he hit between five and eight home runs. Then he hit 24 and 87 while still hitting 363. Yeah, that was a juiced ball season. Okay. So if you look at the home run leaders, I hear a lot of guys. I think Brady Anderson hit 50 that year for the Orioles. And I don't think he ever hit over 20 in another season, but that was a big time juiced ball season. Uh, a good eye on that, Andrew, because you're absolutely right. 
Was that because we had some pitchers about to sign some big contracts? It was something <laughs> like that, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, Wade Boggs is the answer to a, another um, interesting trivia question. Who was the only player to have his number retired by the Tampa Bay Rays? And the answer is Wade Boggs, because Wade Boggs played his last two seasons with Tampa. He was at the end of his career, obviously. He had nothing left in the tank. But he's also f- was born and raised in Tampa and went to high school in Tampa. So he's a pure Tampa guy. He played hmm. two seasons there, and then they retired his number when he, when he quit. Still hit 301 in his last season. I know. I know. And the guy was phenomenal. He was what? How old was he? He played 18 seasons. 41. Yeah, he's 41. <laughs> I mean, the guy was amazing. All he did was put the bat on the ball every time. It was incredible. So, but that that's a good trivia question. The only Tampa Bay Ray player to have his number retired. Anyway, let's move on to the Joe West Award this week. Because we got... A brand new winner, right, Andrew? Brand new. What? We do have yet another brand new winner. Yes, I just guess. I'm just expecting it at this point. They're terrible. Who is it? This week is Tony Randazzo. Tony. Oh, Tony. Another ugly, ugly game. Uh, Looking like a Christmas tree. The stat that got pointed out to me that is the worst is he called 51 of 67 true strikes correctly. So we got 76% on true strikes, which those are balls that are not even borderline. Like those are just So you're saying so 26 of 77 strikes were called wrong? Is that what you is that what that of means? Of true strikes. Yeah. Oh my but gosh. Then there's the borderline ones which I don't know the numbers on those, but that's yeah. terrible. Wow, Tony I mean, that's a big game to San Francisco, L.A. That's not well, plus. I mean, you know, I mean, you're going out that night for dinner in Los Angeles. So keep the game moving, you know, call a bunch of strikes, get the game over with. You're going to that's dinner true. in L.A., you know what I'm saying? It's not like you're in up there and down in uh, in Colorado or, or, or Minnesota. You're in L.A., baby. Get so what is town. he doing? I guess this is a first timer. First timer in LA. All right, let's move on to the Bill Clem Award this week. Who are we praising this week? This week we have something a little bit historic for the Bill <gasps> Clem Award. Oh my god. We gosh. have Did Bill our Clem win? first ever winner of the Bill Clem who was also a Joe West Award winner. <gasps> oh wow, that's that's cool. So Lance Barrett. In week hey. five was the Joe West Award winner, and he put up a stinker. It was like an 85, 86% game. Wow. But this week, he put up a 97.9% accuracy, three wrong calls. Um, I was looking at his stats to see if he either got really unlucky that one game or got really lucky this game, but he is like right down the middle in mm-hmm. a bunch of the stats, so I think he is just inconsistent. Some days he's on, wow. some days he's off. He must have heard the podcast when we were grilling him a little bit. Yeah, you're right. He maybe doesn't want to be part of being in part of, you know, a negative aspect of our podcast. I think and hey, right. we are we are happy to welcome any kind of change in anybody winning the Joe West Award. So congratulations, Lance. Welcome to the the good side of baseball. Mm. Oh, I, I remember that call that was high. 
That was against uh, Pilar. Yeah, it was against Pilar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> let's move on to the role player all draft right. this week. All right. um, let's see if I can go back to back. All Close I know is I grabbed Jack. Joey Gallo at the right time. But go ahead, Andrew. All right, let's see. Starting with Andrew's Shohei Otani. How many home runs did he hit? One for Otani this week. Hey, Pete Alonso. One for Alonso. And my boy Vlad. One for Vlad. Oh, I was really hoping that you weren't going to say one. But it's better than none. All right. Everybody ties. Let's move on to base stealers. Andrew, how many pads did Starling Marte steal this week? I just told zero bases this week. Oh, what? He stinks. What about Mary Whitfield, the girliest zero baseball player we know? Whitfield. Oh, my zero. gosh. Turner. Zero for Trey Turner. Oh, oh, come on. All you needed was one. Our team's All getting conservative at the end of the season. They're afraid to run because of the tightness of the pennant races. Come well, on. Definitely not your boy Whit Merrifield. Oh, no, I, I think not, he's, uh, not the Royals. Not he's the existing Royals. on the Royals right now. Max Muncy, how many walks did he draw this week for you, Andrew? Two walks for Muncy. He's sucking. Dismal. All right, Juan Soto, the king. Seven for Juan. Which he All should right. have had more. Bryce the Harper. actually pitching to him. Uh, Bryce Harper didn't walk this week. Ah, he stinks. That's terrible. He's in a pennant race. He wants to hit some pissed. All right, let's go to Javi, strikeout batter. How many did he get for you, Andrew? Javi was two, two on fire this week. He only struck out six times. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> In, I think, five or six days. I think right. Gallo is like a landslide here. Joey, how many did he get? Ten for Gallo this week. <laughs> He's terrible. Wait, but wait for it. Matt Chapman. No, no. Six. He tied oh, Javi. Yeah, man. Yeah, 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 He's yeah. good, but he ain't that good. All right, let's move on to pitcher strikeouts. Andrew, how many strikeouts did Garrett Cole get this week? Yeah, Garrett Cole, I was a little... Upset we had to move this recording up a day because I think Cole's pitching today. Oh, but, that, he, but he struck out one. 15 in seven innings his last start. What? So. Holy crap. Oh, great. All Good right. thing I had two starts with Wheeler. How many did Wheeler get? Nine this week. Ah, oh, that I only had one start then. He and Woodruff coming one. off his 18 strikeout week. Yeah, got six it. for Woodruff. Yeah, there you go. Back down to earth. Oh, he got rocked his last start. You don't know. All right. Johnny yes, Walker. <laughs> yes, How I many walks know. did Luis Castillo uh, give up? Uh, he allowed two walks this week. All right, Blake Snell. Snell didn't pitch. Maybe he's pitching. Today. I need to pick a new guy. And Zach Davies. Three walks for. Oh Zach my Davies. gosh! Finally, Zach Davies. This wins sounds like it's very tight coming into the last category. I don't it know, is. I think... Oh, it is. Oh wow! I guess I'm just not tight. Here I'm we glad go. Corbin pitched well. Anti Degrom, earned runs allowed. Brad Keller. Uh, oh, I didn't update. It's now Kobe Allard. He gave up three runs. Oh, okay, you got Kobe Allard. All right, yeah, yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad. Jordan Lyles. New pickup. Lyles did not pitch this week. Oh my gosh! And they, Patrick they, they Corbin. Gave... Oh, jeez. Patrick Corbin three runs as well. All so another right. tie. Another tie. So what is that? Where does that leave us? So the final scoring, if we're giving... Well, this is our first ever week with three-way tie, which we have two three-way ties. Um, so if we each get half a point for any tie, or even if we get a third of a point, um, Jack wins by half a point, 
two and a half to three to two and a half this week. Yeah. Boo, boo. That sounds right to me, Andrew. I think you boo. nailed it. <laughs> Recount. Recount. Um, and Jack, did you want to say something about Juan Soto? A cool stat that you heard or anything? He's on your well, team. Yeah, I'm going to bring this up again. I don't know, off season or not, but Juan Soto, Gary mentioned it. Gary's an old school guy because he understands this is important. Juan Soto is the only major league player who has enough at bats to qualify for the batting title. So that includes, you know, everybody. He's the only major league player to have more walks than strikeouts. In the entire In the league. entire major leagues who have enough at bats to qualify. That's what Gary said. Now, I am going to start giving you guys stats from some players, some teams from the 50s and 60s, where half the team would walk more than they strike out. But that is a mind-blowing stat. Now, Soto, of course, we know gets a lot of walks, and he's a very good hitter, so he's not striking out that much. But the only player in all of the major leagues to have more walks and strikeouts is an incredible stat. But we'll talk more about that next week, maybe. Sounds good. Sounds good. Let's move right along to the music this week. Last week, Andrew picked The Strokes, a Mets band, apparently. They're a Mets band? Album, Is This It? Well, they like the Mets, so they're, you know, they're on SNY. Well, they're from New York, so... Okay, good. They don't like the Yankees. That's good. Yeah, that's good. So does that change your rating? Do you want to go first? What did you think of the album? No, no, you go first. Oh, okay. Well, I thought this album was a was a nice listen. I liked it was kind of like casual rock music that I could just kind of like, you know, I was just listening to in my car, driving, just kind of like jamming out. I was, I was liking it. I thought it was very listenable. I thought it was very enjoyable. Uh my favorite song on it was When It Started. I really liked that song. Um had a lot of had a lot of nice instrumentation in there. And overall, you know, I, I was wondering if that guy always has that effect on his voice. You know, he kind of sounds like he's always like behind like a wall or something or like behind like a got something in front of the mic, which I thought was was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's like in every song. Yeah. So, you know, I'll give this one. I'll give this one a seven point. I like this album. I like this album. It was good. Well, I like the album a lot because it is definitely a throwback album. I mean, the Strokes make no qualms about who their influences are. And they are like late 70s New York punk, television, the Stooges, Lou Reed, Velvet Underground. Those are the people that they loved and where a lot of music comes from and so i like the spiky guitars and a nice little backbeat and um it's just a basic guitars drum bass lineup and they really bring a lot of life to that what could be a very boring you know just when you're just going with three instruments four instruments it could be a very boring mm-hmm. um listen but it's it's very uh very listenable uh the bottom line and i just like the the throwback sound that they have and um and I, I love television. I love Velvet Underground only from the perspective of that they did something different at that time. And the strokes are really building on those kinds of sounds. So I, I gave it an eight. All right, Andrew, what do you think? 
Yeah, I thought it was just really enjoyable. Like there was nothing about yeah. it that blew me away, but at the same time, I wasn't really ever bored. I was, you know, I was listening to it in the car at the DMV in line to get my car inspected and I was still enjoying <laughs> it. So, I think yeah, that means that it's got to be good. It was pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean the singles, I think Someday and Last Night are the two popular on the album, which I mm-hmm. like those a lot. Uh, Soma was one of the other ones that stuck out to me that I really liked. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely, it was cool, especially listening to some of those, you know, old Sky albums first and then kind of seeing a little bit of influence. And then obviously you can totally see like the punk influences. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I think I'd give it right around a 7.5. Excellent. All right. So yeah, all we right. all, we all enjoyed the strokes. Um, so mm-hmm. I think it's my turn this week to request an al- or suggest an album. Um, so I'm going to a Tame Impala concert in three weeks uh, at the State Farm Arena in Atlanta. And mm-hmm. I won't be requesting an album before that concert again. So I'm going to request their most popular album called Currents. And um, you know, I'm gonna be listening to them obviously as the as the uh, concert approaches. So I want you, I want to hear what you guys think about their most acclaimed piece. It's a psychedelic rock, I guess, mm-hmm. pop synth music. Um, I I like it a lot. I want to see what you guys think. Now, hold on, is that currents? Like the uh, the fruit, or currents like uh, currents in the ocean. Like currents in the ocean, Jack. All right, good. <laughs> well, no, I mean that's maybe... a good question. I've just never heard of a fruit called the current. Oh, it's current. C U R R A N T S. Current. Okay, yeah, I just never heard about that. I'll have to check it out at the grocery store. I'll tell you my oh. review of currents. Yeah, fruit I, hey, next week. That's a good off-season thing. We we pick some weird fruit, and everybody goes out and eats it, and then we give our review of fruit. <laughs> yeah, we'll do we'll do a fruit yeah. review. Yeah, yeah we need some off-season topics. That could be a hot one right there. That's true. Everybody's talking <laughs> about fruit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for episode twelve of Loogie. Hope you enjoyed it. Go out there, enjoy some fruits, and we'll see you next Thursday for episode thirteen.